episode 51 of the Making Disciples podcast, where we are furthering our knowledge of the gospel so that we can go to the ends of the world and minister. We are called to make disciples of all nations, baptizing in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And that is the purpose of this podcast. So I hope you guys are having a wonderful new year. Uh, I know it's been a while since I published my last episode. I am back in school, and uh, I do have a pretty busy semester as I finish up my senior year of high school. Um, and going into seminary, so bear with me on that. I am doing my best, and I have a couple opportunities at church in the near future to preach, so I, I would appreciate y'all's prayers on that, and uh, yeah, you know, just starting back school, so I will be doing this as, as best as possible. I'll make be making this as much of a priority as I possibly can. So as we wrap up our lesson in 1 John, we are nearing the end. We have three lessons, including today, and then we have two more lessons after this. And today it's going to be 1 John 1 through 5, and I'll go ahead and read that for you guys. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God, and everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of him. By this we know that we love the children of God, when we love God and obey his commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome, for everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? So throughout all of 1 John, we see repeating patterns, we see repeating topics um, that are pertinent to us, and of course, I know I've been teaching on some of those same things on the episodes, I've been, you know, highlighting the same key points in, in some episodes, and that's done for a reason. Like I said, the reason I chose 1 John, the reason God placed the message of preaching 1 John on this podcast is because it's pertinent to discipleship. I don't know if you get better than this epistle when it comes to discipleship. In these five verses, John highlights the overcoming lifestyle of every believer. And as we walk through this, let it resonate with us. Let us not let it go in one ear and out the other, but let us be hearers who do the word of God. Let us be hearers who build on Jesus's words. Please do not be listening to this episode or watching this episode mindlessly just allowing the information to go in one ear and out the other, just being lost and just dozed off. Please pay attention. We're finishing strong. And as I said uh, a couple episodes back, if you have any ideas for podcast episodes or topics that you'd like me to go through or books of the Bible that you'd like me to go through, please let me know in the comments on YouTube. Let me know on Spotify, um, on the polls. So please let me know if you have any topics you'd like me to go through that are pertinent to you. Uh, that you'd like to see talked about. So we are not on our own in this temporal battle, and the victory has already been won. The overcomer must first believe. We have no hope of overcoming the world aside from Christ, and believing is continuing faith. Belief in Christ is not only knowledge of his existence, right? You wake up every day and you continue to put your trust in Jesus. That is belief. That is faith. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, knowing that Christ will lead you through, knowing that Christ does not allow you to go through this temporal world, these temporal battles on your own, that he hasn't just given you up and said, do your best. That's not who we serve. That's not the God of the universe. He's with us every step of the way. James 2.19, you believe that God is one, 
you do well. Even the demons believe and they shudder. So you are right to believe of Christ's existence, to know that he exists, to know that he came in the flesh. And you are right to believe that there is a God. Just because that you believe that God is real does not mean that you believe in God. There's a difference between believing in and believing on. Are you putting your trust on God? We all have a nature to serve something. It's in our human nature. And the main three is money, sex, and power. And we look to the wrong things to serve. We look to the things that we think will satisfy but never bring fulfillment. We look to the things that we think will satisfy but never bring satisfaction. Only faith in Christ, only a relationship with the God of the universe that he seeks to have with you will bring that fulfillment and satisfaction. True belief is full-hearted dedication to Christ. This dedication is permanent and unaltering. If you walk out, you prove to never have been of us. For if you were of us, you never would have left us. The relationship with Christ is a firm foundation. It is confidence that you trust in him and he will never fail. He has never failed and he will never fail. The ongoing faith is the evidence of the new birth. So are you unstable? Do you find yourself being wishy-washy in your faith? Do you doubt God? Prayer is real. Do you believe in the power of prayer or do you believe that your prayers are hitting the ceiling and not going to God? After you pray to God, do you doubt him? Do you doubt that he will not fulfill his promises? Do you doubt that he will not answer your prayers? That's not faith. So are you unstable in your quote-unquote relationship with Christ? Being born again brings us into reconciliation to the Father. It is a permanent relationship that's built on unwavering faith. We should have fellowship not only with God, but with fellow believers, with his family, with the church. We are here to make disciples. So those that say, I don't have to go to church to be a Christian. Well, yes, that's true. But if you love God, if you have faith in God, why don't you want to be in church? Is it something, and those that do go to church, is it something that you just check off the list in the mornings? You go as early as possible so that, you know, you can go home and veg and watch television and eat snacks. And is that, is that what you think church is? It's just something that you can mark off. Or do you think church is a place that you don't have to go? You don't have to believe in the midst of, you don't have to be in the midst of believers. Church is not the location that you're at. It's the people that you're with. It's the family of God. And we are called to be with the family of God. Church is an image of what heaven is going to be like. Praising God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit as a congregation, as the body of Christ, as the bride of Christ. And we will be doing that for eternity. Invest in one another. Make disciples, in, in, even in the church, one-on-one -on -one discipleship. It's powerful. Build relationships with those you know love Christ and you know have your best interest at heart. Seek to point every child to the Father, to the faith, to a walk with Christ, to a lifestyle of overcoming the world. The world does not want you to know that you can overcome. They want you to feel like you're on this road, you're in this battle 
on your own and you're not. John brings faith, love, and obedience together in these five verses. The true believer must exhibit all three of these characteristics. The genuine proof of love is obedience. If you love Christ, you seek to obey him. You seek to glorify him. You know the work that Christ did on the cross, so now you're motivated to glorify him, to submit your body as a living sacrifice and lay it all down at Jesus' feet. That it, it's dedication to him, to the gospel, to the truth, dedication to the walk with Christ down the straight and narrow path by picking up your cross and following him it's dedication because he deserves your dedication. He deserves your love and your obedience and your faith. When we keep his commandments, it is not a one-time instance. It is a way of living, being in communion with him. We are told that his commands are not burdensome. Many people think the exact opposite, but that's only because they do not know who God is. They do not know that he is a loving God who seeks to deliver you from all evil. Outside of Christianity, outside of a relationship with Jesus, the commands seem unreasonable. Nobody in the world feels like they should have to submit to someone else's commands. Instead, we feel entitled to our own will. If only their eyes could be opened to the glorious majesty of Christ, the work that he did on the cross so that you could have eternal life with him. He's the creator and everything he does is for his creation and for their betterment. All glory goes to God and he equips you to serve him faithfully and he seeks to exalt his creation. If only they could realize that there is peace and there is rest and there is fulfillment in Jesus' embrace. I mentioned it many times, but not being in control is the most peaceful thing about a relationship with Christ. Knowing that he's leading you down the path of righteousness for his name's sake that he is not going to give you up to the world, that he's not going to force you to go through this battle on your own, but instead he's fighting the battle for you. Are you submitting to him and allowing that battle to already be won? God is timeless. He's already seen your life all the way through. He already knows the outcome of your dedication of your relationship with him. He knows the outcome of your walk through this temporal world. Are you allowing him to guide you through? Or are you taking it into your own hands, living a life of yourself being God because you believe his commandments to be burdensome? They're not. In the worldly view, in the worldly eyes, they are. But it's false. You can have confidence that you serve a God who is perfect and holy and knows no fault. Believers, those that attain the faith in Christ, desire to keep the commands of the loving God. The commands are not burdensome. His yoke is easy. His burden is light. 
and I can testify that I've experienced a joy unknown to the world to know that I'm not in control, but that I serve a God who is in complete control, that he allows the circumstances of life to happen for his glory. What man intended for evil, God intended for good. And at face value, people probably think I'm crazy. Worldly people see me as crazy. And even those that profess Christian, cultural Christianity, they probably look at me and think I'm crazy. But they, some people also look at me and they're like, I want what you have. There's something different about you. You have this glow on your face. I want what you have. What do I have? I have an intimate relationship with the God of the universe, the one who died for the people he created, was killed by people he created, and rose three days later for the people he created. A relationship with the God of the universe who came in human form to take away the sins of the world. That's why I have peace. That's why I have joy. That's why I have fulfillment. Because I know that I can release my burdens on him. And he's strong enough to carry the weight. I'm not. I'm human. I'm a failure. And I am in great need of a savior. And I know that he can carry the weight for me. I have a relationship with the one who seeks to make me like his son. His commandments go from seeming to be a burden to overwhelmingly pleasing. Psalms 119.32, I will run in the way of your commandments when you enlarge my heart. The result of regeneration is devotion. It is a commitment to love, a commitment to faith, and a commitment to obedience. Faith is our victory, and this is the victory that has overcome the world our faith. We are in union with Christ, and because of that, we partake in his victory. We have a continual victory over the world because of the work that he did on the cross, because we have faith in him who leads us through this temporal world, that leads us through the trials, tribulation, and persecution. Satan is on a mission to break us and to throw us off of our path. He runs the system of wickedness and destruction, and he is the leader of the people who are citizens of the world. The world is against us, but we overcome by the power of Christ. We see in verse 5, the only ones that overcome are the ones that believe that Jesus is the Son of God, that Jesus is the Messiah, that he is God. Our Savior came to deliver us from being citizens of this temporal world to being citizens of heaven. Our victory is not found in our strength. Our victory is found in Christ. And he allows us, teaches us, shows us. He overcomes the world for us. That's how we overcome the world. By faith in Christ. The only things that come from the world are the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. And you can overcome that. Christ came to deliver us from this present evil world. He did it for us, for his glory, but that we may spend eternal life with him who did it for us, who led us through the fire.
who was in the fire with us, who never left us, who never turned his hand from us. But if we ever left him, he's not going to force us to be in a relationship with him. But when you're ready to come to your senses, if you've never come to Christ or if you're in a backsliding phase and you come to your realization that you don't have the intimate relationship with him that you desire or that he desires to have with you, once you turn around and you say, I'm willing to be a servant in my father's house. I will go and I will take the most lowly position. And you go back, he meets you halfway. He won't chase you while you're in the pig pen, but instead, he's going to let you come to your senses, your realization. And once you realize that you need him, that you cannot go through this world on your own, that the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, do they never fulfill. Money, sex, and power, they never fulfill. But only a relationship with the God of the universe, that the God of the universe seeks to have with you, will fulfill. Today, come to Christ. And do not allow yourself to be trapped by the world, to be trapped by the chains of sin, but realize that Christ broke those chains when he finished the work on the cross, when he rose three days later, when he ascended to the right hand of the Father, when he fulfilled every prophecy that was of him. Have peace. Have joy, have fulfillment now. Please don't let this go in one year and not the other because you've heard Isaiah preach on this before, because you've heard a podcast on this before. It never gets old when you realize that you can have fulfillment in a relationship with the God of the universe. Do it today. Submit today. Overcome today. Don't only believe in his existence, but have faith in him, on him. Put your trust on him. I really appreciate those who have been with me throughout the episode, who have been with me throughout this podcast. It, it means more than you know. And that, that's going to wrap up episode 51. And guys, I'm, I'm incredibly excited. You know, it, it's sad that we're nearing the end of First John. I love First John. It's probably in my top three favorite books of the Bible. Um, it, it used to be my favorite, but, you know, it comes and goes, right? Um, I can't wait to do these next two guys, please. If you have podcast episode suggestions, please let me know in the comments uh, of YouTube. Let me know on the poll in Spotify, and I can't wait to see you in episode 52. God bless.